listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. If you were with us last week, you know that I started a new series called Verb. Everybody say Verb. Verb. There it is. Verb is the series. I teach in series because there's so much God wants to say that it's hard to say it in one week. Plus, I don't want to sit here for three or four hours and just lecture. So we break it up into small bite-sized pieces. Last week, we got started with our series Verb, and tonight I'm going to continue in that series. If you're a note taker and you have one of our journals, feel free to break that out now and begin to take notes. We kicked it off with our series called Verb. Verb is an action word. Verb describes action. And that's what we want to be, a church that is an action-oriented church. We read our key scripture for this series from the New Testament book of James, chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And the statement that I want to focus on for the next few weeks is this particular statement from James, chapter 1, verse 22. As a matter of fact, let's do this. I believe it's important for us to speak God's word. And so on the count of three, I'm going to ask everybody, just read along with me. Uh, If you feel a little uncomfortable because you're like, I can't read that. My eyes are getting old. Well, maybe we can make the fonts a little bigger next week. Um, You're going to read along with me. Ready? Begin. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. What was that word right there that we underlined? We got to be doers, being a follower of Jesus Christ and doing what he says is what it's about. Now, unfortunately, over the decades, specifically the last 30 or 40 decades, it has been stereotyped that doing what God says to do is is boring. It's not cool. It's kind of lame, kind of dull kind of churchy, kind of religious-y, kind of what your grandma does. Well, I'm here to tell you that is the opposite of actually what we see in the Bible and what we see of people who are truly hearing from God and doing what he says to do. At the end of last week's message, I said that there were personal benefits, personal benefits to being a doer. Everybody say doer. doer. Being a doer, not just a hearer of God's word, but a doer. And if you're new with us tonight and you're going, well, Kelly, what are you talking about? You can go back and listen to our podcast. We're on iTunes. Simply search Refinery Church and you can go back and listen to our messages. You can also check out our website and click on our sermons and you can go back and check out some of the things that we've been teaching on. But being a doer means I hear what God says, I get into his word, but I'm not just going to be a listener. I want to be a doer, someone who actually puts action behind the words. Here are some of the benefits as a person that you can expect by being a doer. Here's one of them. Let's say um, you hear the Holy Spirit of God begin to speak to your heart. Maybe you're here on a Saturday night or maybe you're at another gathering and you hear God moving on your heart to turn from sin and turn to Christ. You got to do something about that. You can't just hear. You got to do something about that. And when you do that, when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's the benefit. You experience freedom. You experience real, real freedom. Take a look at what this scripture says there, what Jesus himself said in John chapter 8, verse 36. Look what he says. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus Christ gives freedom. When we hear the leading of the Holy Spirit and we say, Jesus, I want to make you Lord, and you turn from your ways and turn to God's ways, 
you experience real freedom. Real freedom. Freedom from, the, from destructive addictions. Anybody in here experience freedom in Jesus Christ? Rave at me if you've experienced Jesus, freedom in Jesus Christ. You know what I'm talking about, see? Freedom from debilitating depression. Freedom. Freedom from paralyzing guilt that keeps you up at night. God doesn't want anybody living like that. God doesn't want his, his children to leave, live addicted. He doesn't want his children to live depressed. He doesn't want his children racked with guilt, keeping them from sleeping at night. Jesus said, I want to give them life and life abundantly. I want them to be free. So when you do what you hear God saying do, you experience freedom. Here's another one. If you continue to do what you're hearing Christ say, you'll experience a life that is stable. Stable. Stability. Stability. When others are struggling in the storms of life, when they're getting racked on the rocks of the storms of life, you can confidently say, no, 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 no. Jesus said that when I come and hear him and do what he says, my life is solid. Take a look at what he said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 25. This is Jesus, verses 24 through 25. This is Jesus' own words. He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's stability. That's stable. The next verse, verse 25 says, no, that's enough. That's all we need to know. <laughs> it built on the rock. The person who doesn't build on the rock, well, their, their life is crashing down. The person who doesn't hear. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. And the rain descends, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat, beat against that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. See, that's what Jesus promises. When you come here and do what he says, stable life. Oh, that sounds good. Freedom, stability, that sounds good. Well, here's one, very practical. Because some of you are in here going, no, that sounds good, but I'm a very practical person. I'm a very practical person. You know, staying committed to doing God's word and doing what he says can also even affect you financially. It's true. The Bible talks about money a lot because, well, it's important to us, right? Money is important to us. Money helps us do the things we want to do, purchase the things we need to purchase, go the places we want to go. And so, of course, the Bible speaks about money. Listen to what God says. He says, when you do his principles of giving, then he will throw open his windows of heaven and pour forth blessing on you. This is what he says. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that is, into the church, his house, that there may be food in my house. And try me on this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. See, God even says in your finances, if you'll do what I say, you'll experience blessing there too. And I know, wave at me if you've experienced God's blessing in your finances. I know there's some people who've given testimony. You know what I'm talking about, right? You say, I'm putting God first in my finances. And, and you've seen God do miraculous things there. So these are personal. These are personal benefits. But listen, the list of benefits towards others is even longer. It's huge and more impacting when we're doers. Those are the personal benefits. 
But the benefits on the rest of humanity, this generation and the next generation, when you do what God says, you have the ability to impact in ripple effects this generation and future generations. Let me give you a couple of examples. There's a gentleman who lived a few years ago, a man that is one of my heroes uh, that I've read about and sure wish I could have met. His name is Jim Elliott. Some of you have heard of Jim. Uh, matter of fact, here's a picture of Jim. He's very famous for a phrase that, uh, that he's known for. And he said this. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It's a profound statement, and he lived that statement out. Jim said this because at an early age, he learned to hear God and do what God said to do. Exactly what God said to do. See, Jim was a young man that heard God say, I want you to go here and go there. In the summer of 1950, at the age of 23 years old, he heard God say, take the gospel to the tribal people of Ecuador. Now remember, this is 1950. Travel was not what it is today. Healthcare was not what it is today. And many people have not, had not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Specifically, these tribal people deep in the jungles of Ecuador. In February 1952, he and a few of his friends left Portland, Oregon to begin their missionary work. He was 25 years old at the time. Their work was slow. It was difficult. It was dangerous. The tribal people were resistant to these white missionaries coming from this far-off land with some weird stories. They were resistant. In January of 1956, four years later, at the age of 29, Elliot and four of his companions were attacked by ten warriors from the tribe that they were ministering to. The tribe had lulled them into a sense of security, a false sense of security, and then they attacked. They killed all five of the missionaries by the spear and threw them in the river. They were brutally, brutally killed. But it didn't stop there. See, because not only was Jim a doer, but his wife Elizabeth was a doer also. And she continued the work that Jim had begun. She returned to Ecuador and she went straight to those people who had murdered her husband. Two years later, she actually moved her family, her children, to that village where those warriors came from, the same people who killed her husband. Elizabeth not only lived but she was able to take the love and hope of Jesus Christ to these people who desperately needed it. And they experienced forgiveness and mercy that only God can give. Today, thousands of people in Ecuador and around the world can trace their spiritual roots back to the Elliots. Elizabeth Elliot passed away and went home to be with Jesus just a few years ago. 
I believe it was 2015, if I'm not mistaken. She lived a long, fruitful life and continued that work. Jim and Elizabeth are great examples of doers. Hearing God speak and doing it, despite fear, despite pressure. You see, for your sake, you need to be a doer because of the personal benefits. But it doesn't stop there. For the sake of this hurting generation right now, we need to be doers of God's word. We need to be a congregation, a church, a people that says, we're not just going to hear God's good words, we're going to go do it. I'm so appreciative of my friend Alex Morrow, who recently has been spending so much time, every bit of free time that he can, he runs down to Mexico and he's helping to do what Jesus Christ has told him to do, him and his family. And in, in, the, in the weeks ahead, you'll be able to hear their stories of what God is doing in and through them. In addition, for the sake of future generations, all those little ones who just left here, we need to be doers. We need to be doers for their sake and future generations. What you do now will impact the next generation. But to be a doer, I got to get practical. To be a doer is going to take this. It's going to say it's going to take courage. Everybody say courage. courage. It's going to take determination. Say determination. determination. What's the third one? Devotion. Yeah. What's the next one? Dedication. And the last one? That's painful. All those sound hard, don't they? <laughs> it does. It is hard. It is hard. And next week I'm going to tell you a few Olympian stories because I'm watching the Winter Olympics right now and I'm loving every second of it. I love the Olympics. Unfortunately, I don't have NBC, so I have to jump on YouTube and I have to find all these apps and I have to scour the internet so I can watch the, the, the events that I want to watch. But these are people who ex exemplify courage, determination, devotion, dedication, and sacrifice. I'm going to talk a little bit about them next week. But tonight, there's one person I want to talk about that's going to exemplify... The thing that all of us need beyond all these other things, beyond courage, determination, devotion, dedication, and sacrifice, this is the thing that we all need to help us be the doer that God has called us to be. And it's called faith. Everybody say faith. 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 Go ahead, Roger. Faith. And I want to talk about a guy who had those qualities and on top of it all, he had incredible faith. His story is found in the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter 6, verse 9. Do you think you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. The man with the big boat. No, go ahead and go back. Go back, go back, go back. The man with the really big boat, Noah. Now, there have been movies and there have been books about Noah. When I want to read about Noah, I go to the source. I go to Genesis, chapter 6, and I like to read about Noah. His story is great. It challenges me because he's the first guy that we see there in the, in the Old Testament. He's the first guy that really hears from God and steps out boldly and says, okay, I'm going to do everything that God says to do, despite the situation, the circumstances, the pressures, and all that. If you know the story, awesome. Follow along with me. I'm going to summarize it for the sake of time tonight. God speaks to Noah. We read in Genesis chapter 6. God speaks to Noah and tells him, I'm going to do something incredible. I'm going to do something that's never been done. I'm going to start over. 
I'm going to reboot humanity and I'm going to flood the earth because it has become so, so wicked. It's like a cancer and it's destroying all of creation. You see, that's what sin does. The Bible says the wages of sin, the price of sin is death. And if left unchecked, it affects all of creation. This is an example of what Noah's boat might have looked like. There's all sorts of artist renditions. I'm not saying this is exactly what it looks like. We didn't live then. I wasn't there. We don't know for sure. But this is very close to probably what it looked like. But listen to why God did this. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Listen. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every, everybody say every, Every intent of the thoughts of his heart were evil continually. That's how bad it was. We wonder, man, why would God do this? It broke God's heart because God, it says that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It was bad. You think stuff is bad now? You think what went down in Florida is bad now? That was tragic. What was going on then? was a hundred times worse because it says every thought and God couldn't leave it unchecked. So God chooses the only righteous person that he could find, a man by the name of Noah, and says, I'm going to take care of your family. I'm going to save them and you will be the seed for future generations. Why? Because Noah, you're a doer. Noah, you're a doer. Biblical scholars have theorized that prior to the Great Flood, uh, the earth had a tropical climate. Uh, They've theorized that the earth didn't experience rain like we experience it now. Uh, They they say, uh, Creation Research Institute says that that what happened was there was a mist that would come out up at night, much as it is in the tropics, and it would water like a greenhouse. It would water the vegetation. And so rain had not been seen before. The kind of flooding that God described had never been experienced. And so God gives this whole narrative of what he's going to do to Noah. He says, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth and all of creation is going to be wiped out. But I want you to build a boat. All right, God, I've seen some boats. He goes, no, you haven't seen this kind of boat. It's going to be huge, huge. All right, why? Well, because you're going to take animals. I'm going to take animals. You're going to take animals. You're going to take all these species and you're going to care for them on this boat because they're going to be the seed for the future generation. You can read the story. I'm paraphrasing it in Genesis 6 and 7. So if I'm Noah, there's a few factors here that may have caused him to lose a little bit of sleep. Don't you think? He hears this word from God that he's about to wipe out all of humanity. Right there might keep you up a few nights. Right? Don't you think? I mean, let's be real. Put yourself in Noah's place. And then God gives you this outline of how to build this boat. It had never been done before. That'll keep you awake. And then on top of that, he says, and you're going to become a veterinarian and a zookeeper. And you're going to have to take care of all these animals because they're the seed for the future. So don't let them die. Don't let them die. Don't let any little mouse. Don't let any little dog. Don't let any little cow. Don't let them die. You got to care for them. All right. So I'm a farmer. I'm a farmer. I'm a rancher. I'm a zookeeper. I'm a builder. Okay. And imagine the loss that he was about to experience as well. 
knowing what was going to take place. Friends. Friends. People that he'd grown up with. Gone. That's a lot to carry with you. Hey, listen, the reason I talk about him, we face those kind of pressures today. Each of us do. Tasks that we're given that seem insurmountable. Pressures that we go, I I, I don't know how to handle this. You experience loss. God knows. God knows. We face these concerns. But God says, be a doer and I'll sustain you. Be a doer and I'll take care of you. Story of Noah simply summarized as this. If you know it, God does exactly what he said he was going to do. The earth is flooded, rain falls from the sky, floodwaters burst forth from the earth, and the earth is covered in water. It took about 75 years, some theologians say, it took about 75 years for Noah to build that boat. That's a long project. That's a long project. Imagine, you probably get a little discouraged after year one, year two, year 10, year 50. Imagine still being a doer. Still being a doer. Some have said that the Old Testament Genesis account of Noah is a fable. But in the New Testament, we see that even Jesus talks and references Noah. And then the book of Hebrews not only acknowledges Noah, but says that Noah and the account of the flood was a real event and an incredible and notable act of faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. Because that is what it all hinges on. Hebrews 11 says this. Take a look. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 says this. It was by faith. Everybody say faith. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat. I want to pause there for a second because I I read this a few years ago and I, I, I was blown away and I thought, wow, God, you didn't say, well, it was because of his great workmanship, his craftsmanship and his skill that he built this boat. It it wasn't just because he was so determined that he built this boat. It wasn't because he was just so stubborn that he built this boat. No, no, no. It says it was by what? By faith that Noah stepped out and did this incredible act of building this boat, this large boat, to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. That's so good. He obeyed God. Matter of fact, uh, Genesis chapter 6. Matter of fact, let me read to you Genesis chapter 6. I didn't put it up there. But I want, I want to read something to you. I love how it says this. Genesis chapter 6 at verse 22. After God says all these things. So you're going to build this boat and the flood's going to happen. You're going to bring the animals in. It says in, in Genesis 6, 22, it says, So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. He was a hearer and a doer. Exactly what God had commanded him. And so God counted it to him as righteousness because he was a doer. He was a doer. And faith is the thing that, we, that, we, that fuels our doing. If we back up one verse, 
we can see why faith matters. Why does it matter? Why does, why, Kelly, why do you push faith? Why is one of the mottos, the number one motto, faith, family, and fun? Because faith is what it's about. And I'm not talking about some stuffy religious expression. I'm talking about action. Because according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, take a look what it says. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him, that is God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, first, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Remember those personal benefits? God wants to reward those who are doers, those who are doers of his word. You see, faith is the main factor of a doer. Faith. Think about Noah. Think about yourself. Faith that God will keep his promises. That what you read in scripture is true and it's true for you. That's what faith is. Faith that courageously steps out despite the obstacles. Right? Despite the obstacles. Faith that stays determined when things aren't going smoothly. Or when it's inconvenient. Or when others are saying, just quit. Why are you doing that? Why are you moving there? Why are you going to that church? Why why are you doing that? Just stop. Faith that stays determined. And faith that results in action. Because James says faith without works is dead faith. It's dead faith. Faith is intended to be in action, not passive. So it comes down to this. It comes down to this. There are benefits of being a doer of God's word. Personal benefits. And if you'll begin to hear God and do what he says, you will experience those things in your own life. But it starts with faith. Because being a doer is saying, I'm going to step out. I'm going to do what God has said to do. I'm going to be the person God has said I should be. Because tonight, God is calling us to be a church that makes a difference in our community, that makes a difference in our society, that makes a difference on our school campuses, a place where students and children and adults and families can come, be encouraged, feel safe, and experience God's love. That's why we want to be doers. Personally, God may be asking you to do something. And you know this. You felt him already begin to stir you days, weeks, months ago. Maybe God has been speaking to you saying, you need to stop those things that you're doing and start doing the things that are good for you. The things that are going to lead to life, not to death. Because see, there are some things that we do that mess us up. See, that's what the word repentance means. Repentance means I'm doing this, I'm going this direction, and God says repent, which means I turn, I do a 180, and I start doing what God has said to do. This pathway leads to death. Destruction. This pathway leads to life. Start doing life tonight. 
You know God's been speaking to you. Maybe, maybe it's to stop certain habits and start doing new habits. I mean, let's get practical. Maybe it's even eating. Say, I'm going to stop putting all that junk in. Start putting good stuff in. Because the Bible says that this is the temple of God. So you got to take care of your temple. I'm just talking practically. Maybe, maybe God's saying do OSL. This isn't a commercial, but maybe God is saying go deeper. Go deeper. And that's what OSL is about. Let's go a little deeper. Be a doer. Starts with faith. Saying I'm going to step out and I'm going to be a doer. I don't know about you, but I want to have more faith. I need more faith. I personally do. I said yes to come into a small little church that is just getting started. In faith, I heard God say, do Brea. That's why the campaign was, it begins with Brea, if you remember that. Because I felt the Lord say, do Brea. I'm going to do Brea, Lord. Despite obstacles, despite setbacks, despite what people say, despite what my friends and associates say, I'm going to do this. Stepping out. What's God telling you to do? Every day I got to say, Lord, I need faith to continue this. I personally want to experience the benefits. And I want this generation and the next to experience them too. I need more faith for that to occur. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at We Are Refinery. God bless.